Hello everyone and welcome back to The Drew View. Today on the show, we're going to be talking about scholarships and higher education in America and why it's done wrong. And we're going to be talking about the Supreme Court case that made the court what it is today. I am Drew Bennett and you're listening to The Drew View. Thank you to everyone who came back today to listen to the last episode of the week. I want to give a special shout out to anyone who listened to all four days this week. Uh, It's my first week of uploading, so if you listen to all four of my episodes, I want to say a big thank you to you. All right, guys, so before I get into this next topic, I just want to say I've struggled with how I want to tackle this topic for a little while now. I've recorded myself talking about it a couple of different times and I can't find a way where I'm really satisfied in how I talk about it just because it's a topic that I don't know if there's an easy way to tackle and I don't really know how to break this down the best way possible so just bear with me it might not end up sounding the best and it might end up coming off completely differently from how I want it to but that's all right I just want to kind of give you guys some insight into Uh, what my view is on this, because after all, this is the Drew view. So I want to just give you guys a little bit of information on kind of what I'm dealing with, with scholarships and education. Now, the first thing I should say is just give a big, huge shout out to Hillsdale College for the amazing scholarship that I was blessed with. Uh, You know, they gave me one of the most generous scholarships out of all of the offers I had gotten. Uh, And so I'm very grateful to them. Uh, and I'm so glad to be going there. They're an outstanding school, and I can't wait to go there. But the thing I wanted to really hit on was outside scholarships, right, and how that kind of worked. So I've been applying for a few scholarships recently, and a lot of them have the same criteria, right? They want you to either write a little essay, and then they want to know all your academic information and things like that. So one thing I wanted to do kind of is just a little exercise, I suppose, is I'm just going to go through really quick uh, or as quickly as I can just some of the key points of my resume that I usually submit for these things and then I have uh, prepared and I just want to read this to you and then I'm going to ask you guys a couple of questions. All right, so let's get into my resume. All right, so work experience. I have two bits of work experience. I am the owner, founder, CEO, and balloon twister for Bennett's Balloons in Stockbridge, Michigan. That's my own small business that I started where I twist balloons for birthday parties. And along with that, I do the normal uh, managing of business finances. I uh, market, I twist balloons, I work with uh, young children, I entertain children, things like that, right? I've partnered with other businesses, business owners, and other organizations uh, and things of that sort. So that's one thing I'm probably most proud of in my work experience. Then I also have Uh, nearly two years of experience working in fast food. I worked at a Subway restaurant in uh, a local town. So I did that for about two years. Now for my education, I have been going to Stockbridge Junior Senior High School in Stockbridge, Michigan since August of 2019. I expect to graduate in May of 2023. I've taken classes in English, math, social studies, and science, and I've also taken dual enrollment and AP classes in the following subjects, that is chemistry, biology, world history, U.S. history, sociology, U.S. government and politics, calculus, English literature, and economics. Now, those are all subjects that I have taken college-level courses in. So those ones that are dual enrollment or AP courses, those are all college-level 
courses. Going on to academic honors, I, uh, at my high school, have gotten the award for top two GPA in the class of 2023. I've gotten a 4.0 on a 4.0 scale. We're not weighted or it probably would be higher. I have an SAT score of 1430, which I received in April of 2022, and I believe that's the highest in my grade at my school. Uh, I've gotten awards for outstanding achievement in pre-calculus, algebra C, world history, uh, U.S. history, physics, law, etc. Next, I want to talk about extracurricular involvement. So for that, I have Student Bible Study, which I founded and I am a member of. Now, I founded that uh, in 2021. That was one of my most, uh, I I believe, one of my most impressive accomplishments was I was able to start a Bible study that is now still going strong, even though the teacher that advises that no longer teaches at our school. Uh, So we kind of do that as an outside of school thing now. Uh, We have Student Council, which uh, I was a class representative last year and this year, and I am an executive officer this year. I was elected by my peers for that. I am a class officer. Last year, I was the junior class president, and this year, I am the senior class secretary. I've also participated in National Honor Society for the past two years. I've been a member of our Panther chapter, and this year, I am president of our National Honor Society. I am involved in Fellowship of Christian Athletes and Quiz Bowl this year, and my freshman year, I was involved with basketball. Additional community involvement, I have Main Street Church, which is the church I attend. I've been going there since about 2019 to now. I have participated and been a part of the youth group that we call the Rally since November of 2019, since we started going there. Uh, I'm a student youth group leader at times, uh, you know, doing different leadership uh, roles in the youth group. And I also help lead the kids and teens ministry during our small group time that is families with teens. So I kind of bring the teens and kids together and I kind of do things with them. All right. So I got through all of that. And I know you're probably thinking, why did you just go through your entire resume? Well, the reason I wanted to do that was because I have been having this issue recently where I am getting declined for a lot of uh, scholarship applications uh, and different scholarships that I've been applying for. And The thing that is most confusing to me, and I'll kind of go over that with you, is the criteria for the scholarships are one that I believe I fit really well, and I just wanted to get your guys' feedback as to why you think I am not getting these scholarships. Now, one scholarship application that I was really looking forward to hearing back from was one that has a very small pool of applicants, and it is because it is for children that work at a Uh, specific organization and it's for their children to apply for only. Now you have to think that this company does have around 40,000 people, give or take, working for them, but you think how many of them are either in their senior year of high school or are in college. So you kind of figure out the numbers aren't incredibly high. And here are the qualifications. I want to kind of read to you the email that I got uh, after I was informed that I did not get the scholarship. So It says, the scholarship selection committees gave careful consideration to all information you provided in your application. Factors taken into account when selecting recipients included. All right, now I'm going to list them, okay? Academic achievement, that's number one. Number two, leadership and participation in activities. That was number two. Number three, work experience. Number four, 
Statement of Future Goals, number five, Unusual Circumstances, and number six, an online recommendation. Those were the six categories. Now, here is my question to you. They awarded eight different people this scholarship, right? There were four people that were going to a four-year institution that were awarded $10,000, and there were also four people who were going to either a two-year school or a vocational, you know, like trade school for uh, $2,500. Those four were uh, $2,500. I would have been a part of the group that would have gotten the $10,000 scholarship, right? So it was kind of a really important scholarship to me, and it was one that I was really looking forward to, and I was hoping that I would win because you have to think, again, you know, there can't be that many people out of all these people that work there that have kids that are in this right age grant in this right age gap, sorry, uh, you know, that are going to be applying for this scholarship, everything like that. So I thought I had a pretty good chance. And then I read those requirements, right? And I'm just kind of going to go over what the requirements were. And I'm going to refer back to my application, right? So they said um, they included academic achievement. Now, I would say that, you know, uh, 12 plus college level courses would be a little bit of an academic achievement while maintaining a 4.0 GPA on top of all of that. I would say that's a little bit of an academic achievement, uh, but maybe not. Maybe we have people who, who knows, have, you know, were in high school and took 16 college level classes and got a, you know, I think that is one thing that's disadvantageous to me is because our school does not weight our GPA. So I have the highest GPA that I can get in my school although it would be higher if our school weighted them. Um, I believe that depending on the scale, I would have, you know, between a 4.0 and a 5.0. It all depends on the weighting system of different schools. Um, But there was that as well. So, you know, I have academic achievement, and I was hoping that I would be kind of up there with that, but apparently not. Uh, Leadership and participation in activities. So uh, just going back through and counting... I got student Bible study, student council, uh, class officer, National Honor Society, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, basketball, quiz bowl. That's seven right there. Uh, If you include my community involvement, that's, uh, you know, add the three things that I do there. That's about 10 uh, community service activities and leadership roles in those. Uh, Work experience. I started my own small business and I also worked at Subway for two years. So, um, I think that's one thing I'm probably lacking is I don't have a ton of work experience, though I think it's pretty cool that I started my own small business. And I don't know many people who have uh, ran a successful small business for five years, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Then you look at statement of future goals. I pretty much explained how education has been a huge part of my life, and I want to continue that uh, by becoming a high school social studies teacher and teaching the next generation. Um, and getting them involved in social studies and in American politics and history, kind of like what I want to do on this podcast. And then uh, unusual circumstances and an online recommendation. So here's where I think the wheels fall off the bus. Well, I guess I can hit on online recommendation. I did submit that, and uh, I've gotten a couple letters of recommendation, and I thought they were pretty good. You know, most teachers... Uh, When I ask them for a letter of recommendation, I get something back and they're like, oh, it was a joy to write yours. No, I'm sure they say that to everybody. And letters of recommendation, I don't think say very much because uh, everyone's just going to praise you. Nobody's going to send you a letter of recommendation where they bash you the whole time. Uh, But I guess it 
tells more about what they don't say. But I was reading through mine and they were pretty holistic and they cover a lot of aspects of me between my, you know, my religion, my character, my academic achievement and different aspects of that. So I would say that I had a pretty good uh, recommendation. But the last one was the one that I think really killed me, which is unusual circumstances. Now, what does that mean? That's kind of what I wondered as well. So that was probably the biggest one where I was like, hmm, I was supposed to write uh, a couple paragraphs, I believe it was, about some unusual circumstances that have occurred in my family and how I've uh, powered through those. And that's one thing that I will have to say that uh, in my life, I've been so blessed to have such uh, awesome family. And uh, I, I've been given some pretty awesome circumstances, but they want, let's be honest, they want to hear sob stories. They want to hear stories that are going to touch their hearts and make them tear up. And then they're going to say, oh, here's your 10 grand. And I'm going to be honest with you. I live a pretty blessed life. Now, that money would have been extremely helpful. And I still wish that I would have gotten it. But I think they look at me and they say, well, your unusual family circumstances that you have a grandpa that lives in Georgia and you just go see him uh, and you're not able to see him very often. Well, these other people have much more unusual family circumstances. Uh, so we're going to give it to them. And I have no problem with that, right? I think that's important. I think it's important that we acknowledge people for um, different circumstances that they've been through. But one of the things I want to talk about is what is the definition of scholarship? The two definitions that you get are academic study or achievement, uh, learning of a high level, and a grant or payment made to support a student's education awarded on the basis of academic or further, sorry, or other achievement, not further achievement. So awarded on the basis of academic or other achievement. So it's meant to be awarded based on achievement, right? That's what the whole word scholarship means. It means you're a scholar. It means something that's scholarly. It implies something to do with education and academic study. But when we start awarding them based off of unusual family circumstances and who can write the best sob story, can we please at least change the name of what it is from scholarship to writing contest or educational grant or something like that? And I understand, and this is why I mentioned something at the beginning, because I understand how much this probably sounds like I'm tooting my own horn and I'm bragging a lot. But it's just something that I'm really passionate about because I'm going to be honest, as much as Hillsdale was super generous uh, for giving me the scholarship, the school is not cheap. And it's going to be really hard to make uh, payments for my schooling and everything without other outside scholarships. And, you know, silly old me thinking, oh, well, if I was able to get, uh, you know, a significant amount of money from Hillsdale College, which is a school that is pretty prestigious and only a few select people get into that school and I'm getting a decent amount of scholarship money from them, I shouldn't have any problem getting other outside scholarships, right? Well, I was wrong. And so that's one thing I just wanted to hit on is I think the way that scholarships are done are completely backwards in our society. Another thing that I think is not advantageous to me 
is the fact that I am a straight, white, Christian male. Now, I don't know how much they look into any of those aspects, but if you want to think about people in America today who are least likely to get a scholarship, I don't think you can think of any other characteristics that would be more disadvantageous to somebody than being a straight white Christian male applying for a scholarship. Uh, I think I'm immediately put at a disadvantage because of that. Uh, but I do want to get your guys' input. So if you want to email me at thedrewviewshow at gmail.com, that's thedrewviewshow at gmail.com, or on social media, I want to know why do you think that I didn't get these scholarships? Do you think that I'm totally blowing this up? Do you think that I'm being stupid and whiny and I need to shut up and just accept the fact that there are tons of people out there that are better than me and that I'm making a whole big stink out of this for no reason? Or do you think that I have some uh, merit behind it and that I at least should be getting some of these scholarships that I'm applying for? Because obviously I mentioned that one, but that's not the only one that I've applied for, right? I've at least applied for 20 to 30 scholarships and I've been declined for every single one of them. But I just want to know, what do you guys think? Um, Do you have any recommendations for how I can make that application any better without um, creating some sort of unique family circumstance and uh, or anything like that. So if you guys have any recommendations or you want to tell me that I'm stupid and I need to shut up, then just go ahead, let me know on social media or by emailing me. I really appreciate it. Uh, and thank you guys for listening to uh, this little bit of a rant. Alrighty, sorry that last segment was so long and maybe a little bit whiny. I really do apologize. It's something that's just been on my mind recently, and I just want to get it off my chest and kind of maybe hear your guys' feedback on that. So, but the last thing I want to talk about is we're going to be doing a throwback Thursday, and that's we're going to be talking about something that happened in history uh, that's a pretty cool event that I want to talk about, and that is how the Supreme Court got to be the way that it is, or at least part of the reason, and that's with the Supreme Court decision of Marbury versus Madison. So, little bit of a background. The Supreme Court was not always what it is today, right? The Supreme Court was mentioned in the Constitution, but it didn't really outline exactly how that was going to look or things like that. So the Constitution was really vague with the wording on how the court system was going to work and how the Supreme Court was going to work. So they had to do something about that. So the Judiciary Act of 1789 established the court systems in America today. They established the federal court systems, uh, and there had been amendments on that law for a little while, and we get up to the point of 1800. Now, we're at 1800, and there was just a really contested election, uh, not even necessarily contested, but it was a very nasty, bitter election, almost like what you see today. There was an election between Adams and Jefferson, And it was a lot of uh, personal attacks, less about policy. Uh, And John Adams ended up losing the election in 1800. So John Adams, it should be noted, he was a federalist. He was a big government guy. He wanted the government to be expanded. He wanted the central government to have more power. Um, Up until this time, if you didn't know, the president was almost looked toward as sort of a uh, monarch of sorts. Obviously, they weren't another monarch because that's what they had broken away from. But there were still some aspects where, uh, like, guests who visited the White House would bow down to the president instead of shake the president's hand. And I could, I mean, could you imagine doing that to Trump or Biden today? Like, it's just something we couldn't imagine. But uh, 
Jefferson was quite the opposite. He was a small government uh, Democratic Republican, which is an oxymoron today, but that's what the party was called. He was a Democratic Republican. He believed in a small government. So on the eve of John Adams leaving office, he said, I'm going to go out with a bang. I am going to make sure that I fill up every single court position and every single judge slot with a Federalist, with people who are going to do what I want them to do, people who who are going to judge how I want them to judge. These came to be known as midnight appointments because he was making them as the clock struck midnight, you know, things like that. Uh, So that's what was going on with Adams, right? So Jefferson, he took office after he was inaugurated, and he totally opposed this. He's like, whoa, 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 dude, you can't do this. You can't just put these people all in here right at the last minute and think that I'm going to be okay with it. And James Madison, who was the Secretary of State at the time, he wouldn't fulfill those appointments. He said, "Uh uh-uh, not happening. I am not going to let your guys go in here and fill these offices at the last minute. That's not happening. Um, And Marbury was an appointee of Madison's. He was going to be on one of these courts, and he sued James Madison and the federal government. And he said, no, 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 no. This is not going to happen. I'm supposed to be there. The Congress says that I'm able to the end. End of discussion. So the Supreme Court, they took Jefferson's side in this, actually. And that was interesting because uh, John Marshall, who was the uh, chief justice of the Supreme Court at the time, was a Federalist. So he was on the side of John Adams. So it's like, what the heck, dude? Why are you going against your own guy? Why are you saying that, oh, these people should not be appointed when, um, yeah, they should? Like, what the heck? And, you know, he wasn't dumb. He wasn't just doing this to hurt his own party. Now, you know, we could think, oh, look, it's a move of bipartisanship. (laughs) Ha ha. Yeah, right. That didn't even happen back then. Uh, There was a reason he did that. And that was because it established something called judicial review. He said that although these appointments were legal based on laws that Congress had passed, It's unconstitutional because of a separation of powers and checks and balances. It just doesn't check out. It's not something that we believe as a Supreme Court is constitutional. We're striking it down. And that established a very important precedent. It established what we now know as judicial review. And that is the act of looking at something that Congress does and saying, that is unconstitutional. We're striking it down. That was not always something that the Supreme Court had the power to do. This is something, again, that Jefferson was super upset with. While he did get his way, he also didn't get his way in the same sense because now he just gave more power to the federal government, which he was trying to shrink throughout his entire presidency. So you can imagine how Jefferson kind of felt um, when he realized that it was a truly win-lose situation. Uh, So, you know, this gave each branch of government the checks and balances that we see today. You know, we're used to now the Supreme Court being a check on Congress, being a very important check on Congress, but that was not always the case. So this case, uh, this Marbury versus Madison case, was very important uh, in the history of the United States for establishing what power the Supreme Court had and what the separation of powers and checks and balances would look like in America. All right. Thank you, everyone, for sticking around until the end of the episode. If you made it, I want to say thank you again. If you were here all four days and you made it to the end of all four episodes, congratulations. 
you learned another, at least another hour about American history and American politics and the news. Uh, congratulations to you. Thank you for the support. I really appreciate it. I'm going to get into my closing prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for another podcast. I want to thank you for the opportunity to be able to do this, to be able to come on and talk to this microphone and talk to an audience of people who want to learn more about politics and history. And Lord, above all, let what I say be a reflection of you to those who listen to me. I thank you for giving me the opportunities to do this, and I thank you for all that you have blessed me with. In your name, amen. Thank you guys again so much for sticking around. Uh, if you were here for all four of my episodes, I just want you to let me know how you think they went, which episodes were your favorite, what do you want to hear more of, what do you want to hear less of. You can let me know by emailing me. I also want to remind you guys to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to leave me a rating and a review so more people can find my show. Thank you guys. I can't wait to see you all back here again next week. And until then, stay blessed.